0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 281, today's big Bible question, how can we learn to pray from the apostolic prayers in the Bible? So happy Saturday, dear friends. Today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, prayer. We will be reading 1 Kings chapter 6, Psalms 86, Ezekiel 36, and Ephesians chapter 3, which contains an amazing prayer from Paul. Now, what is the way you learn something? For most of us, the method of learning can be quite radically different, which is one reason why a one-size-fits-all kind of educational method in school doesn't always work. My wife and I have five kids, and their learning styles are all very different from each other. Different struggles, different strengths, different weaknesses, and different ways to grasp truth and memorize things, for instance. Some of our kids learn by hands on ways. They need to see, feel, and visualize principles while the others are more auditory. They can learn from listening to lectures and things like that. Now, when you look at the Jesus method of teaching, which is a good thing to do considering he was the greatest teacher to ever live, you can see that he employed a kind of show-and-tell model. Now, I realize it's a vast oversimplification, but it's largely accurate. Jesus didn't just teach his disciples truths, but he also modeled those truths in front of them. He didn't just teach classroom style. He also sent his students out into the lab of the world to put his teachings into action. Now, the Bible teaches us all about prayer in a very similar way, not just telling us how to pray, but also giving many examples of prayer in action. Indeed, when Jesus was asked by his disciples for a teaching on prayer, Jesus told them, this is how you pray. And then he offered them a prayer as a model. Now, the Lord's Prayer, of course, isn't the only prayer we have in Scripture either. We have the high priestly prayer of Jesus in John 17, the apostolic prayers, and many examples of godly and diligent prayers in the Old Testament, such as Hannah's prayer for a child. Now, today we're going to look at some of these prayers in the New Testament and learn from them. I'm going to give you, we're going to talk about six apostolic prayers that are in Scripture. That is, prayers that were written down by the apostles and actually prayed in the pages of Scripture. So here uh, here are the first five, and our number six will be in our focus passage today, which is Ephesians chapter three. So Ephesians one, 16 through 19, Paul says, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know, what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Or how about Romans 15:5 through 6 Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Or how about Colossians 1, 9-12? Paul says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience joyfully, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saint's inheritance in the light. Or Philippians 1:9 through11. And I pray this: that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One more, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. We always pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and by his power fulfill your every desire to do good in your work produced by faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you and you by him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go on and read our Ephesians chapter 3 passage today, and we will add the apostolic prayer from Ephesians 3 to our list of apostolic prayers that we're going to talk about today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming you have heard about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you, the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power." This grace was given to me the least of all the saints to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in him, We have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love, and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, And in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever, amen. So sometimes, you know, we don't know what to pray or how to pray. But in these prayers, the ones we've read today and the ones we just read, the one we just read in the end of Ephesians 3, and many others in Scripture, we find so much help in our praying. I can see at least two big ways that we can benefit from becoming very familiar with with the prayers in the Bible, particularly the prayer of Jesus and the apostolic prayers that are found throughout the New Testament. Number one, we can learn from these passages the priorities we should focus on in prayer because we can see how the Holy Spirit, which inspired the scriptures, led the apostles in how to pray. We can trust that these prayers are spot on and infallible because we know that the Word of God is itself God-breathed and without error. So here are a few priorities I see in these passages. First is love, which should be no surprise. Paul prays in our focus passage today that the Ephesian church would be rooted and established or built on love. He prays that they would be able to comprehend the vast depths of the love of God in Christ. And he prays that they would know that love of God in a way that surpasses knowledge. And I think that means in a way that goes beyond mere head knowledge, or the factual knowledge of a particular thing. In the Philippians 1 prayer, Paul also prays for the growth of the of love in the church there. And we also see Paul praying for the church to be strengthened in the Colossians 1 and Ephesians 3 prayers, another repeated priority. Wisdom and knowledge also make a prominent appearance. In fact, Paul prays for the church to have knowledge in four different ways in three of these prayers. For instance, Colossians 1.10 Paul says, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. So we see that the apostolic prayers can demonstrate to us here what really are the kinds of important things that we should be praying for. Now think about, think about how you pray. Think about, I'm thinking about how I pray. How does my prayer priorities and how do your prayer priorities line up With the prayer priorities we see in these passages, how do the things we focus on, and I'm not saying you need to put a stopwatch on your prayers and kind of divvy it up on a pie chart to see how much of the time you spend praying for people, praying for your own requests, praising God, thanking Him, etc. I'm not saying do something like that, but do think in a general sort of big picture way, what do I pray about the most and how does that compare to what the apostolic prayers of the Bible and what Jesus prayed about. Because I think we could all stand an adjustment in our prayer priorities, and the best place to get that is from the Holy Spirit-inspired Scripture. Also, we can learn much about the format of prayer. Some believers seem to think they need to have a very long preamble in their prayers that is filled with lots of flowery language and such. And in the Old Testament, in many royal courts of Europe and other places, it's most proper to pay homage when coming into the presence of the king, whether by words or bowing or kissing the ground or some other sign of humility meeting superiority. Now, that sort of thing is appropriate for prayer, but all of our examples for prayer today show us that it need not be overdone. Because of Jesus, the Bible says, we can boldly enter the throne room of God, knowing we are unworthy and yet not having to lick the floor for hours and beat ourselves on the head with a stick to demonstrate our unworthiness. Jesus himself provides us a good example for this in the model prayer when he teaches his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Therefore, you should pray like this, says uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 11. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So, what is that? Two dozen words or so of praise to the Lord and thanksgiving before Jesus gets into a request. Give us today our daily bread. So, Jesus doesn't teach us to pray by groveling or by praising God for hours and hours. Now look, Praising God is the best thing we can do. I would never want to say something that would diminish your praise of God. Praise him until you are breathless. But I'm telling you in prayer, in terms of the model prayers we have in the Bible, we don't have a situation where we have to earn the favor of God by saying a lot of flattering words. That's not what praise is. That's not what prayer is. And along those lines, we also see that prayer does not have a specific beginning or ending salutation, which I take to mean that we have great freedom in the area. Do you begin most of your prayers with, Dear Lord, and end them with something like, In the name of Jesus, Amen? Because honestly, I probably do. But when we see the New Testament prayers of the Bible, we can see there's no mandated format that we have to follow, and we don't have to say certain things at the beginning and ending of each prayer. To pray in the name of Jesus, for instance, doesn't mean that at the end of the prayer we say, in the name of Jesus, amen. That's just words. And sometimes our words, especially our multi-repeated words, can lose meaning And they can be just superfluous or just absolutely extra and have no need. Now, I'm not saying don't say in the name of Jesus when you pray. I'm just saying don't say it in a vain way. Don't say it in an empty way and know that you don't have to use those exact words. So are you wanting to learn how to pray? Begin in John 17 with the prayer of Jesus and then devour the apostolic prayers we've talked about today. And you know what? Rejoice. Because the six we've talked about today are just the beginning. There are dozens of prayers all throughout the Bible, and they are all helpful to read and meditate on and pray through. May they help fuel and inform your prayer life and mine. We continue with First Kings chapter 6, verse 1. Solomon began to build the temple for the Lord in the 480th year after the Israelites came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of his reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month. The temple that King Solomon built for the Lord was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 45 feet high. The portico in front of the temple sanctuary was 30 feet long, extending across the temple's width and 15 feet deep in front of the temple. He also made windows with beveled frames for the temple. He then built a chambered structure along the temple wall, encircling the walls of the temple, that is, the sanctuary and the inner sanctuary, and he made side chambers all around. The lowest chamber was seven and a half feet wide, the middle was nine feet wide, and the third was ten and a half feet wide. He also provided offset ledges for the temple all around the outside so that nothing would be inserted into the temple walls. The temple's construction was used used finished stones cut at the quarry so that no hammer, chisel, or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. The door for the lowest side chamber was on the right side of the temple. They went up a stairway to the middle chamber and from the middle chamber chamber to the third. When he finished building the temple, he paneled it with boards and planks of cedar. He built the chambers along the entire temple, joined to the temple with cedar beams, and each story was seven and a half feet high. The word of the Lord came to Solomon, As for this temple you are building, if you walk in my statutes, observe my ordinances and keep all my commands by walking in them, I will fulfill my promise to you, which I made to your father David. I will dwell among the Israelites and not abandon my people Israel. When Solomon finished building the temple, he paneled the interior temple walls with cedar boards. From the temple floor to the surface of the ceiling, he overlaid the interior with wood. He also overlaid the floor with cypress boards. Then he lined 30 feet of the rear of the temple with cedar boards from the floor to the surface of the ceiling, and he built an interior as an inner sanctuary, the most holy place." The temple, that is the sanctuary in front of the Most Holy Place, was 60 feet long. The cedar paneling inside the temple was carved with ornamental gourds and flower blossoms. Everything was cedar, not a stone could be seen. He prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple to put the Ark of the Lord's Covenant there. The interior of the sanctuary was 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 30 feet high. He overlaid it with pure gold. He also overlaid the cedar altar. Next, Solomon overlaid the interior of the temple with pure gold, and he hung gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. So he added the gold overlay to the entire temple until everything was completely finished, including the entire altar that belongs to the inner sanctuary. In the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim 15 feet high out of olive wood. One wing of the first cherub was seven and a half feet long and the other wing was seven and a half feet long. The wingspan was 15 feet from tip to tip. The second cherub was also 15 feet. Both cherubim had the same size and shape. The first cherub's height was 15 feet and so was the second cherub's. Then he put the cherubim inside the inner temple since the, their wings were spread out. The first one's wing touched one wall while the second cherub's wing touched the other wall. In the, in the middle of the temple, their wings were touching wing to wing. He also overlaid the cherubim with gold. He carved all the surrounding temple walls with carved engravings, cherubim, palm trees, and flower blossoms in the inner and outer sanctuaries. He overlaid the temple floor with gold in both the inner and the outer sanctuaries. For the entrance of the inner sanctuary, he made olive wood doors. The pillars of the doorposts were five-sided. The doors were made of olive wood. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and flower blossoms on them and overlaid them with gold, hammering gold over the cherubim and palm trees. In the same way, he made four sided olive wood doorposts for the sanctuary entrance. The two doors were made of cypress wood. The first door had two folding sides, and the second door had two folding panels. He carved cherubim, palm trees, and flower blossoms on them, and it overlaid them with gold applied evenly over the carving. He built the inner courtyard with three rows of dressed stone and a row of trimmed cedar beams. The foundation of the Lord's temple was laid in Solomon's fourth year in the month of Ziv. In his eleventh year, in the month of Bul, which is the eighth month, the temple was completed in every detail according to every specification, so he built it in seven years. Psalm chapter 86, verse 1. Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cries for mercy, I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders, you alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever, For your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intends to kill me. They do not let you guide them, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant. Save the son of your female servant. Show me a sign of your goodness. My enemies will see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped and comforted me. Amen. Ezekiel 36. Son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, Mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says, because the enemy has said about you, Aha, the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, This is what the Lord God says. Because they have made you desolate and have trampled you from every side so that you become a possession for the rest of the nations and an object of people's gossip and slander, therefore mountains of Israel hear the word of the Lord God. This is what the Lord God says to the mountains and hills, to the ravines and valleys, to the desolate ruins and abandoned cities which have become plunder and a mockery to the rest of the nations all around. This is what the Lord God says. Certainly, in my burning zeal, I speak against the rest of the nations and all of Edom, who took my land as their own possession with wholehearted rejoicing and utter contempt, so that its pasture land became plunder. Therefore, prophesy concerning Israel's land, and say to the mountains, hills, and to the ravines and ba- valleys, This is what the Lord God says. Look, I speak in my burning zeal because you have endured the insults of the nations. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says. I swear that the nations all around you will endure their own insults. You mountains of Israel will produce your branches and bear your fruit for my people, Israel, since their arrival is near. Look, I am on your side. I will turn toward you and you will be tilled and sown. I will fill you with people and with the house of Israel in its entirety. The cities will be inhabited and in the ruins we built. I will fill you with people and animals and they will increase and be fruitful. I will make you inhabited as you once were and make you better off than you were before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I will cause people, my people Israel, to walk in you. They will possess you and you will be their inheritance. You will no longer deprive them of their children. This is what the Lord God says, because some are saying to you, you devour people and deprive your nation of children. Therefore, you will no longer devour people and deprive your nation of children. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will no longer allow the insults of the nations to be heard against you, and you will not have to endure the reproach of the peoples any more. You will no longer cause your nation to stumble. This is the declaration of the Lord God. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. While the house of Israel lived in their land, they defiled it with their conduct and actions. Their behavior before me was like minstrel impurity, so I poured out my wrath on them because of the blood they had shed on the land and because they had defiled it with their idols." I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered among the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. When they came to the nations where they went, they profaned my holy name, because it was said about them, These are the people of the Lord. Yet they had to leave his land in exile. Then I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, This is what the Lord God says. It is not for your sake that I will act house of Israel, But for my holy name, which you profaned among the nations where you went, I will honor the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. The name you have profaned among them, the nations will know that I am the Lord. This is the declaration of the Lord God, when I demonstrate my holiness through you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land." I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will summon the grain and make it plentiful, and I will not bring famine on you. I will also make the fruit of the trees and the produce of the field plentiful so that you will no longer experience reproach among the nations on account of famine. You will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and detestable practices. It is not for your sake that I will act. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Let this be known to you. Be ashamed and humiliated because of your ways, house of Israel. This is what the Lord God says. On the day I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of everyone who passes by. They will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were once ruined, desolate, and demolished are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that remain around you will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was demolished and replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the Lord God says, I will respond to the house of Israel and do this for them. I will multiply them in number like a flock, so the ruined cities will be filled with a flock of people, just as Jerusalem is filled with a flock of sheep for sacrifice during its appointed festivals. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Amen. Well, good day to you, friends. Happy Saturday, and Godspeed.